Acts chapter number one this morning will be in Acts chapter number one. I thank you for all the music this morning and the song. I believe Brother Brian wrote that song, and uh, I uh, always enjoy uh, our music. Acts chapter number one. He's a graduate of my songwriting class, so um, you understand. Acts chapter number one, and we'll read the first uh, 14 verses this morning. And I trust that this message will be a help to us today. Acts chapter number 1, and we'll begin reading verse 1 all the way down through verse 14. And I want to be very practical this morning, uh, but be very helpful at the same time. Uh, This message is a good message this morning, as the world always distracts the child of God. Uh, What takes place in this world can be a distraction to the church if we're not careful. And so this morning, I trust that the message will be exactly what the Lord would have for us today as we look at Acts chapter number 1 in verse number 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode, John, where abode both Peter and James and John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the, with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. The book of Acts is a wonderful book, and several years ago we preached through the entire book of Acts. Uh, it is a pattern for the church today. Jesus called forth the church out of this world to reach the world. And as the church gets distracted, as the church uh, begins to lose its focus, it's good to always go back to the basics. It's good to go back and be reminded of what our purpose is. This world should never define the purpose of a Christian. This world should never define the purpose of a church. Uh, God has already defined that. And this morning, I want to speak on this subject, spiritual reset buttons, spiritual reset reset buttons. Father, I pray that you'd use the message today uh, to help us, to encourage us, to challenge us. 
Father, already our heart has been blessed uh, by the fellowship. Our heart has already been blessed by singing those old hymns. Our heart has been blessed by the obvious uh, presence of your Spirit today. And Father, I pray that uh, during the time of the preaching this morning, may Christ continue to be honored and magnified. May the Spirit of God work in each and every heart. And Father, may uh, we all be challenged as individuals to do more for your cause. May we be challenged as a church to do more to reach this world with the gospel. I pray that uh, you'll be honored, Christ will be magnified. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Perhaps you've said or you have heard someone say, I need to hit a reset button. Or maybe you have said it like this, I need to get back to the basics or we need to get back to the basics. We get busy, we get distracted, we get frustrated. And sometimes in our mind, we're just like, if I could just hit a reset button and go back, if I could hit a reset button and start all over again, uh, we get these frustrations in life and what they do is, is life gets so busy, it takes our focus off of the main things. How many times are we reminded or we should be reminded as a family as we get busy, what's really important in life is our salvation. What is really important in life is the Word of God. What is really important in life in this world of achievement, in our nation of of trying to strive to get more and more and more, what is really important in life is our family, is the things that we so quickly take for granted. That's what we mean sometimes. We say, I just, need to, I just need to hit that reset button and be reminded of what my responsibilities are. Be reminded of what God has given me. Be reminded, get the clutter out, if you will, and put the focus on that which is important. Well, if this takes place in our life, and it does, and it should, we should have those times where we say, okay, it's time to hit a reset button. It's time to start over. A lot of times it's when a year comes to an end and a new year begins at the beginning of that year. Okay, we're starting new. We're starting all over. We got a clean slate. These are refreshing times because we can declutter, to use that word, and put our focus back where our focus should be. If this is true in life, it is certainly true in spiritual matters as well. Sometimes we need to hit the reset button when it comes to spiritual things. If you look at the way the typical church functions today, it is a far cry from the church that is mentioned in Acts chapter number 1. What would happen, what would do good in our nation is for churches to hit the spiritual reset button and get back to what the church is supposed to be. As a child of God, we allow so many things, not necessarily bad things, distract us from where our focus should be. You and I only have so many hours in a day. That's never going to change. So we have to decide what we're going to use those hours for. We only have so much time allotted to us in life. There's a lot of things we could use our life for. We could use our spare time for. We could use our finances for. Not bad things, not wrong things necessarily, but sometimes it's good for us to have our focus brought back to the most important things. And I would say in our nation and certainly in our churches and in our individual Christian life, it is good to hit a spiritual reset button. And everything that's taking place in our world today and 
hasn't it been crazy for, I always said the last couple of years, but hasn't it been crazy for the last couple thousand years, the things that have taken place uh, in, in our world, and, and sometimes we get distracted from all of that, and we are in the age of technology and the information that we are bombarded with, and you get no rest of mind, and you get no, no rest of body because of everything that has taken place. If we're not careful, we'll let a busy life take our eyes off of the spiritual things that they should be on. So this morning, I hope to remind us of some spiritual reset buttons that I think it would be good for the Emmanuel Baptist Church to hit today. I want to remind us of some spiritual reset buttons that I think it would be good for the Christian, the child of God, to hit today. I, th- I want to remind us of some spiritual reset buttons from Acts chapter number 1 that it would be good for husbands and wives to get their focus on what is the most important thing. It'd be good for us as family units to be reminded of what the most important thing is for the child of God today in this day that we live in. Let's focus on number 1 to begin with. Look with me again at verse number 4. And being assembled together with them commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith, Ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many day hence. Number the first spiritual reset button we need to hit this morning is we need, we need to be reminded that we need the Holy Ghost. This is the promise that Jesus reminds them of. He says, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise from the Father. There are too many Christians today that go through their life doing everything in their own power, in their own ability, and you only get so far. Let me, no matter how talented you are, how smart you are, you don't get very far when it comes to the things of God. Jesus tells his disciples, to wait on the promise. That promise, Jesus tells them of in John chapter number 14. Most of the time, we put the emphasis in John 14 on those first six verses when when Jesus reminds his disciples to let not their heart be troubled. He reminds them that he's going to prepare a place for them, and certainly we should put a lot of emphasis on that, that Jesus is preparing a place for those who believe on his name. He reminds them that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He then begins to tell them that even though he is going to go away, which would distress those disciples, he says there's a problem. The Father is going to sin. He will not leave you comfortless. Imagine with me, if you will, the best you can this morning, how comforted those disciples must have been just laying their eyes on Jesus. As long as they could see him and they watch him, and he's not troubled, therefore I don't need to be troubled. He's not alarmed, therefore I don't need to be alarmed. And Scripture mentions the time that there are times when they didn't have a place to lay their head, and out in in that wilderness they have a rock for a pillow. I wonder how many times they hear those noises and they hear things out there, and they look and Jesus is... Not scared. Jesus is not worried. They were comforted by his presence. They were comforted to hear his voice. They were comforted to watch him. Now he's leaving them. This would come as a little bit of a shock because 
as you can probably recall, they believed that he was there to overthrow the Roman government, and he was going to establish his kingdom right then and there. He tells them, this is not my plan. I'm, I'm leaving you, and the reason why I'm leaving you is I'm preparing a place for you. But don't miss this point. He reminds them that the Father is not going to leave them comfortless. He also reminds them in John chapter number 14 that there are things that they will be able to do through the power of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit is going to come. And as Jesus goes, the the Holy Spirit is coming. He refers to that promise again in verse number 4 and reminds them of the promise of the Heavenly Father. Now let me remind all of us today that this same promise is for every believer. When you and I got saved, we got the Holy Spirit. We got the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is just as much God as God the Father is. The Holy Ghost is just as much God as Jesus the Son of God is. And we have the Holy Ghost that dwells within us. As you are saved, the longer you are saved, you don't get more of the Holy Ghost. You got all the Holy Ghost that you needed when you got saved. Now, the question is, is whether or not the Holy Ghost is going to get more of you. We should continue to surrender ourselves to Him so that we do His work through His power. There's a lot of churches today that are dead as a doornail. They got buildings, they got facilities, they got money in the bank, but the Spirit of God is not there. Friend, let me remind all of us today, we must have the Holy Ghost in our life. There's a spiritual reset button that needs to be hit amongst Christians everywhere. I can't do the work of God in my flesh. I can't be the parent I'm supposed to be through the flesh. I can't be the spouse I'm supposed to be through the flesh. We as a church cannot make a difference in this world. We've got more churches than we've ever had. We've got more programs than we've ever had, but yet America is drifting further and further away from God. Let me tell you what we need today. We need to hit the spiritual reset button that we have to have the Holy Ghost. When we stand and sing, we have to have the Holy Ghost. When we stand and preach, we have to have the Holy Ghost. When we go out two by two to tell others about a risen Savior, we must have the Holy Ghost. That's a button that needs to be hit. We must have the Holy Ghost. If we've got to have the Holy Ghost to do the work that the Father would have us to do, then we must be very careful not to quench Him in our life. But Pastor, if I have the Holy Spirit, I just don't fit. Well, are you quenching Him? There are things that a Christian can do to quench the power of the Spirit of God in your life to quench the voice in your life. This is why it is important for a child of God to live according to this book because the more we submit ourselves, the more we mortify our members, as the Scripture says, the more we crucify our flesh, the more we die to our own wants, the more the Spirit of God has of us Can I remind you, uh, we're supposed to be a witness. We'll get to that in just a moment. But why is this world going more faster and faster uh, to that horrible place called hell? It's because we're trying to do so many things in our own power. That's That's the whole thing behind this emerging church movement with all the bands, with all these things, is we can produce. You can't produce what the Spirit of God can do. Therefore, if you quench it, you're not going to have it. 
Not only should we not quench the Spirit of God, we shouldn't grieve the Spirit of God. There are things that if a child of God partakes in, it grieves the Spirit of God. There are things that if we're a part of, it grieves the Spirit of God. Friend, I want to make a confession to you this morning. It makes little difference to me whether or not you like what goes on in the church today. It makes all the difference in the world to me if God likes what's going on in our church today. I want the Spirit of God to be welcome. I don't want Him to be grieved by what takes place. I don't want Him to be grieved by the flesh being magnified. I don't want Him to be grieved by something taking place that's contrary to the Word of God. But yet it should be the same in every child of God's life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all the way back around to Sunday again. We need the Holy Ghost. You know what would help churches today? If we'd stop going to our, our community in this lost world and say, what would you like in our church? If we get in this book and say, what's going to make God happy? What can, I, what, what, can, what can I do to present something that will motivate the people and get back to saying, Spirit of God, give me what you would have me to give to the people. What would happen in our world today and in our churches today if Christians would live this way on a daily basis we must have the Holy Ghost I don't need anybody's approval but if I've got the Holy Ghost presence I'm good well we gotta make we gotta make everybody in the world like I want everybody in the world to like us and and truth of the matter is to know me is to love me why'd you laugh at that that wasn't a joke but we more than we need personality programs we need the power of the Holy Ghost of God. Jesus reminded these disciples, you wait right here. Don't leave the city until the promise of the Father comes. That's how important it was to Jesus. Before you go and do what I've told you to do, you better have what you need to do it. And the reason why, quite frankly, many times churches compromise, many times Christians compromise, is because they want to take a shortcut instead of laboring to have the power of the Spirit of God. But we must have the Holy Ghost. That's a spiritual reset button that we must have. Number two, another spiritual reset button we need is Found in verse number 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Which, I just remind you before I continue in verse number 8, you don't have power without the Holy Ghost. The power comes after the Holy Ghost. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in now, he's telling them to be witnesses. Let me remind you, we're talking about the Holy Ghost. Why do we get the power of the Holy Ghost? so that we can be effective witnesses. The Holy Ghost is never going to point the attention at you. I just got full of the Spirit and had to take a holy, holy lap and, and, and this and that, and when I started, God, the Spirit gave me an unknown tongue. No, He didn't. No, He didn't. Because we need the Spirit to be a better witness. As 
And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. This verse is used often. I use it often. It's one of the verses that I often refer to as a Christian, as a pastor. It's one that I want our church to always look to as a reminder that we have a responsibility to reach this world. We have a responsibility to reach our Jerusalem. And that's probably going to be a big emphasis for us, for us next year. I believe in supporting missionaries. I believe in supporting them to the uttermost parts of the earth. But there's too many churches that are supporting missionaries to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, and they're letting their Jerusalem die and go to hell. This is the pattern for what we're supposed to do as a church. Reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. This is a spiritual reset button we need to, to hit. Secondly, is that we are to be witnesses. Now, we have a time where we will go soul winning. We have times of visitation. Uh, we have times of soul winning. We have times where we as a church get together, we go out, and we go into our community, and we tell people about the Lord. That is what we should always do. But that is not what that verse is talking about. That's part of what this verse is talking about. This verse reminds us that each and every one of us is to be a witness. And quite frankly, how can we be a witness to a lost world if we're grieving the Spirit of God? How can we be a witness to a lost world if we're quenching the Spirit of God? Yes, the church is to reach the world. You're part of the church. So throughout your day, throughout your week, we are to be a witness. We're a witness of how we live, yes, we're an example of how a child of God should live, yes. But if you look at what this verse is saying, that you, they're preaching a risen Savior. They're telling people the fact that Jesus was dead, now he's alive, he has conquered death, he has conquered hell, he has paid for the sins of the world, and all you have to do is believe on a resurrected Savior, and forgiveness is yours, heaven is yours, that's what they are to be a witness of. You go tell what you know to be true. John, you were at the cross. John, you were witness to, to my death. John, you were also there at an empty tomb. John, you've seen the nail scars in my hand. You are a witness of this. Go tell. But you're going to need the power of the Holy Ghost. Being a witness is a, is a reset button that needs to be hit in churches and in the lives of Christians. We are to be a witness. Now, I want you to notice something very carefully that applies to us, certainly in the day we live in. Look with me back in verse number 6. Now, verse number 8, he tells them there to be witnesses. Are you with me? Verse number 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord... Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Okay, you were crucified, you died, you rose again. So now, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now are you going to do what those Old Testament prophets prophesied of? And notice what Jesus' answer was in verse 7. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Lord, are you going to... Now are you going to overthrow Rome? Now would be a really good time for you to set up your kingdom. 
It wasn't a bad question. It wasn't a sinful question. But they're missing the point, especially when the Lord said in verse number 7, it's not for you to know the times. Who does he say knows? The Father hath put in his own power. Now notice this, and it's good for us to hit this reset button in this world we live in today. The disciples were focused on what Jesus was going to do. Jesus was focused on what the disciples were supposed to be doing. Now, I believe that we are witnessing so much that is written on the pages of that book in this world we live in today. Obviously, each day we live, we're a day closer to Christ's return. If you see these things unfolding, the Bible is being unfolded. I run into complete strangers, and, 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 and after, after I introduce myself, and I go to places of business, and it's like, well, we're really seeing the Bible come to light, aren't we? You've probably had the same thing happen to you all the time. The disciples were no different. Now are you going to establish your kingdom? And Jesus said, you don't worry about what God worries about. You do what you're supposed to do. And quite frankly, we need to hit a reset button today. Not just as a church, but as Christians. What God does in the end times is God's business. When he tells Gabriel to blow that trumpet is God's business. How he brings it all about is God's business. There's nothing sinful to look at the Bible and say, is this what the Bible's talking about? But quite frankly, if we're not careful, we're distracted by, by trying to figure out what's going on in our world when Jesus said, you're just supposed to go tell people that I've risen from the dead. You're just supposed to tell this world that there's a risen Savior. You're just supposed to go proclaim the gospel. God will worry about God's things. You do what you're supposed to do. And friend, if we're not careful, we'll get distracted wondering how God is going to do what only God knows he's going to do and will not do what we're supposed to do. The disciples are just like you and I. They're flesh and blood just like you and I. And they were ready for God to do it all. They were ready for that kingdom to be established. They were focused on what Jesus was going to do. And Jesus said, you focus on what you're supposed to do. And quite frankly, that's what we're supposed to do. We are to be a witness. I know enough about the end times to know that there's a heaven and there's a hell, and everybody's going to one of those two places. And if I don't know anything else about that, that's enough for me to do what God has told me to do. That's enough for us as a church to say, God's obviously doing something, and the time is getting short. I do believe that. But friend, the, the facts still remain the same. We have been commissioned by the church, by, by, by God as the church, to go and tell this world. It's a wonderful time to tell the world. Can you imagine? Of course, they faced persecution, and all these men lost their life in the course of giving the gospel to this world. But can you tell, but, but what a time to tell people about a resurrected Savior when they had witnessed Him, when they had seen Him, when they had been in His presence. And it's a great time for you and I to be a witness for our Savior today with what is going on in this world. Why don't we hit that reset button? Pastor, I wish I could be there on Thursday and Saturday. Well, I wish you could be too, but what does that have to do with being a witness? People don't just get saved on Thursday. 
Uh, I, can you imagine that Philippian jail that coming to Apostle Paul? What must I do to be saved? Come back on Saturday. And I'll tell you how you can be saved. We'll be witnesses every day. What would happen if we all hit that reset button? I'm looking for somebody today. I'm looking for somebody today. We're to be a witness. The third reset button we need to see uh, hit this morning, we find in verse number 11. Well, let's go back to verse number 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Think about what all of these disciples had seen. Not just experiencing the ministry of Jesus Christ, the miracles being in his presence as he, teach, he, he taught them. But the crucifixion, the resurrection, the time they're spending with him now, Jesus has wounds in his hands. And every time they see those hands, they're reminded that Jesus was nailed to that cross. They're reminded of what he endured. They're reminded of an empty tomb, how he, was resur- he resurrected. His power over death. They, I mean, this is what they've experienced. And now after he says, guys, go win the whole, go tell the whole world what you're a witness of. He sends into heaven. These disciples did what you and I would do. They're standing there gazing. Where'd he go? Is he really gone? And they were shocked at what they had just witnessed. They couldn't take their eyes off of the sky. Is he going to come back? And just keeping their eyes focused on the last glimpse they had, searching for him. I believe it was more searching for him. Where did he go? And notice what happens when these two men, these angels stood by them in white apparel. Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? They say, that, well, in verse, in verse 11, they say, that This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. The third reset button I believe we need to have hit today is that the fact that Jesus is coming again. They had just witnessed him ascend. And these angels reminded them that this same Jesus is coming again. See, the Jesus that we read about in the Bible and the Jesus that we're going to join in the clouds is the same Jesus. The Jesus that we read of walking on the water and healing the leper, conquering death and hell to the fact that he has the keys, that same Jesus is who's calling us home. 
the Jesus that met with them in that upper room, the Jesus that ascended into heaven, that's the Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, our Savior, who will join in the clouds one day. And I believe you and I need to be reminded that Jesus is coming again. And quite frankly, that's a button that needs to be pushed, a reset button, that spiritual reset button that you and I need to be reminded of. A child of God should not be laying down roots in this world because he's coming again. We should not be so quick to conform to what's taking place in this world. He's coming again. We should not fear and tremble at the things that take place before our very eyes because He's coming again. And because He's coming again, our time is short. Because He's coming again, we better get busy doing what it is that He said that we ought to do. This is a silly illustration compared to something so significant as the coming of our Lord. But you think about teenage guys when mom leaves and says, the house better be clean. And they procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate. Mom pulls in the driveway. And they're not ready for a mama to come home. Silly illustration compared to the fact that we as the church, we as the saved, we should be busy doing what Christ commissioned us to do because he is returning again. Say, Pastor, aren't you afraid of the things that are taking place in our country, in our world? No, because the same Jesus that left the disciples that day is the same Jesus that's coming back again and the same Jesus that we're going to join in the clouds one day he is coming again. We need to be reminded that we, Jesus is returning. This world is not going to be the same when he returns the second time. But let's be reminded that he's coming again. Then the fourth, I'm out of time, the fourth spiritual reset button that we need, we, we need to push today. We begin in verse number 12, then return they unto Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And then they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Who are all these people in that upper room? It's the church. And the fourth spiritual reset button we need to hit today is there must be dedication to the church. It, it amazes me how flippant so many Christians are about their commitment to the church. And don't fall prey to this smokescreen of, well, I'm only committed to Christ. Well, you can't be committed to Christ if you're not committed to His church. Matter of fact, you're not committed to Christ if you're not committed to His church. This is a spiritual reset button. We can pray for revival in our nation, and we should, but it's never coming as long as there's more Christians sitting in an NFL stadium on God's day 
than sit in the church house on God's day. It's never coming. It's never coming as long as Christians spend more on NFL paraphernalia that they'll wear than they put in an offering plate so that missionaries can go to the other side of the world. Revival's never coming. There must be dedication through the church. And by the way, I I think God has reminded a lot of Christians over the last couple of years that revival's not coming through political means either. If it comes, it's coming through the church. And Christians must be dedicated to the church. They must be at church once again every time the church doors are open. They ought to be dedicated to that which Christ was dedicated to. Jesus founded the church. I'm a a Christ follower. Where do you go to church? Oh, I don't go to church. I'm a Christ follower. No, you're not. And you're on dangerous ground by using his name as an excuse for you to be backslidden. Well, I, I, I used to, but I just don't feel bad about missing anymore. You need to get right with God. I, I know this isn't popular, but it's a button, a spiritual reset button. We need to be more dedicated to the church. How are we more dedicated to the church? More dedicated to the people and the purpose of the church. We should have more dedication to the household of faith than we do those in our of the household of faith. Let me ask you a question. Are you nicer to people that you don't know than you are to people you go to church with? I know it's Sunday morning, but we're just going to hit this button this morning. And I'm not talking about a special reset button. I'm talking about your button this morning. <laughs> Are you nicer to people that you work with than the people you go to church with? It's very telling of a child of God when they don't like to associate with the church people. I don't have to know anything about what you're doing. I don't have to follow you on Instagram. I don't have to keep up with you. I watch the response of people around their brothers and sisters in Christ. And when you're the last one in and the first one out, there's a problem. To be dedicated to the church, you must be dedicated to the people of the church. Well, Pastor, don't you know the church isn't a building and it's not a place. The church is people. Yes, so what have you done for the people of the church? How are you helping another brother or sister in Christ? Who have you prayed for? Well, I just don't understand what we're doing. How much of you, have you tithing? Are you giving to missions? Are you, are you investing in the things of the Lord? We've got to get back to where the church is important. We want to blame all these other things, but it's not a coincidence that when we lived in an America where everybody went to Sunday school and everybody knew it was the Lord's Day and everybody honored and acknowledged God and, and church was what everything centered around, the, the, the calendar in town centered around what was going on at the church, that's when America was different. But when Christians got away from the church, that's when America changed. And if you want America back, you've got to hit this spiritual reset button to be dedicated to the church. The sad reality is that the church buildings that exist today couldn't hold the Christians if they all decided to be where they're supposed to be on Sunday morning. 
Well, the virus, that didn't keep you out of Walmart. Be dedicated to the church, you've got to be dedicated to the people, you've got to be dedicated to the purpose. The church is not a social club, although the church is social. The purpose of the church is to reach the world with the gospel. Each and every one of us should be dedicated to that cause. We're dedicated through our prayers, we're dedicated through our finances. We're dedicated by our attendance and our participation. When you as a Christian and a child, and I know I'm preaching to faithful people this morning. This is a reminder for all of us. But when you as a child of God are not faithful to the house of God, you hurt the cause of Christ. When you're not in your place of service, you hurt the cause of Christ. When you're not doing in the church and for the church what you could be doing, you're hurting the cause of Christ. Hashtagging Christ follower does not make a difference in this world. Getting up on Sunday morning, getting your family in church, and heading to the church house does something. It edifies the body of Christ. Believe it or not, your presence makes a difference. Your presence makes an impact. Your participation, whether or not you open that hymn book, when Brother Stanley gets up there and says, turn to page so-and-so, whether or not you do it, whether or not you sing, makes a difference. We're reminded that in verse 14 it says, with one accord, they were all on the same page. They all had the same purpose. They as a church were together, dedicated, so that they could do what Jesus had commissioned them to do. I'm not going to de-emphasize the importance of church just because religion does it. Just because a new generation just doesn't feel that way. Well, the new generation needs to get saved and get to the house of God where they're supposed to be. The new generation needs to get right with God and get into church like they're supposed to be and serving the Lord like they're supposed to serve the Lord. Mom and dad, rear your children in church. They don't want to go. Well, they don't always want to go to bed when they got to go to bed. Do you let them decide that? They don't always want to eat what you put on the table. I hope you don't let them decide that. They don't always want to go to Aunt Susie's house. Spoiler alert right there. They don't always want to go see your family, but you make them do that. Bring them to the house of God. Have them underneath the word of God. We must have dedication to the church once again. Last point about this, and I want us to see this. Who was in the church? Look at verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, Now, you know church history enough to know that in chapter number 2, Pentecost is going to take place, and more than 3,000 people come to Christ and are added to the church. You know who was preaching? Peter. The same Peter that denied Jesus three times. The same Peter that these even independent preachers' fellowships would have boycotted. Yeah, that one's real heavy right there. 
Now notice, and I preached a whole message on this, but I want to mention this this morning. Peter, who denied Christ, look who is there in verse 14. Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren. You think Mary knew what Peter did? Mary was at the cross, as we know. John was there, but Peter wasn't there. Because Peter had denied Christ. But here we find the church assembled with all their faults, with all their failures, because it was about Jesus. It was about the gospel. It was about a lost world that needed the, 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 the saving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God chose Peter to preach on Pentecost. And God chose Peter to be that spokesperson. And when he stood up, Mary didn't protest because she knew the fault that Peter had. Because Mary realized that there was a greater work that needs to be done. And quite frankly, there's a lot of Christians that need to get over themselves. I said get over themselves because you've got a problem with God using somebody else. It's his work. It's his business. The church house ought to be a place where everybody can come and everybody who want, anybody who wants to be saved can say, I want Jesus to save me. I'm depending on him. And come through the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church is still the place for people to serve. It's still the place that God takes imperfect people and sometimes people who have fallen, sometimes people who have failed. And just because you don't like the way God uses them, well, I just can't believe the church. It's His church. He decides. And quite frankly, we need to get over ourselves and quit using excuses of why we're not dedicated to His church. All I got to know is His church. I don't care who else is there. Well, can you believe? Let me help you. I mean, I've kind of thrown everything else out this morning, so... I can't believe the pastor would let them sing. I can't believe the pastor would let them serve in that capacity. Does he know? Probably. But it's not my church. Mary was not bitter because of what Peter did. Because Mary knew it was about Jesus. I just I just can't I can't attend man's institution. Don't insult God's church that way. Jesus is the founder of the church. Let's just be honest. You don't want to, you don't want to be dedicated to church because you're backslidden. It's a reset button that needs to be pushed. So, Pastor, when you started out, I didn't know you were going to end like that. Quite frankly. Every pulpit in America needs to be saying what I'm saying. I, I, I'm, I'm not against, well, I'm, not, I'm just going to wrap it up right there. In conclusion, which reset button do you need to push? Maybe it's one, maybe it's off. Maybe there's some that came to mind through these verses that I didn't mention this morning. But you first of all need to be born again and make sure you're born again and make sure your sins have been forgiven because Jesus is coming again. And when that trumpet sounds, that trumpet were the sound today, the redeemed, the saved, those that have believed on Christ, be raptured out of here before your mind could even comprehend what has taken place.
We're going to join Jesus in the clouds. And he's bringing with him all the redeemed who've gone on before. That event is going to take place. And if you're not saved, you will be left behind. And if you think the world's bad now, if you think there's chaos now, Scripture reminds us that those that are left behind during this time will pray for the rocks to fall on them. It'll be so bad. They'll try to take their own life, and they won't be able to take their own life. That's how bad it's going to be. But if you're saved this morning, are you living without the, not because he doesn't dwell within you, but are you living without the power of the Holy Ghost? It's so easy for each one of us, your pastor included, to allow things to come in our life that quench the Spirit of God. That grieve the Spirit of God. Maybe today that's the reset button you need to push. Maybe today it's about being a witness. Too many times we use the cop out, well, I can't be there when the church goes. That has nothing to do with what God says we're supposed to do. We should be a witness. Maybe that's the reset button you need to hit today. Maybe we need to take our eyes off of all the cable news and put it on the fact that Jesus is coming again. Maybe today the reset button you need to push is the fact that we need to be dedicated to the, to, to the Lord Jesus Christ and His local church. We must be dedicated. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Persecution has never stopped the church. It's only, it's only expanded the church. It's God's church. How de- you should be more dedicated to the church than you are any other institution. Why is it we'll wear our favorite football team's colors, but we won't wear the armor of God? How dedicated are we? This message, I, I hope that the Lord reveals to me any area of my own life that I'm not as dedicated as I should be. You think of these disciples, these martyrs who died for the cause of Christ. So many Christians today are, oh, the martyrs, the martyrdom is going to come. Don't worry, you don't, you don't have anything to fear. Because 2 Timothy 3, it says, all those that live godly will suffer persecution. The way most Christians are living today, you got nothing to fear. Well, that sounds funny. It's sad. We're more dedicated to the YMCA than we are God's house. We're more dedicated to some secular organization than we are to God's house. Well, Pastor, I'd be there, but such and such a group meeting only on this time. Well, I hate you're going to miss that. You ought to be in the house of God. Let's hit some spiritual reset buttons today. Father, I pray.